0: From uh, about 15 years on up uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable we are all evil in some form or another yes i am evil. not a hundred percent but i am evil. my mother was a, a sick angry hungry and very sad woman i hated her but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman, now playing on Netflix and its elect theaters. Lady Dar. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing a Podcast, where we sometimes veer off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. Special thanks to my patrons who voted for this episode. Thank you so much, guys. You are truly appreciated. And for anyone else, please feel free to join my patrons so that you can vote on who will be covered next or get early access to the podcasts like, share, and subscribe, it might just help our little community grow. And really any little bit would help me to reach my goal of being able to bring you more content with more visuals and perhaps more interviews and everything. So just kind of keep it in mind. So this is part two of the Serial Killer Nurse Lucy Letby series. So if you haven't listened to part one, then I suggest you go back and listen to that. And as I said last time, This will be about infant death. Many infants. It's greatly upsetting to me, and I'm pretty used to reading and listening to or watching the worst of the worst. So if you think this will be too much for you, it's okay to skip it. It's all good. But let's just jump right in, okay? So where we left off, Lucy had been arrested, which was on July 3rd, 2018. It took them two years to arrest her. She had just returned home from a vacation with her parents in the southwest of England and, in fact, her father had driven her home two hours further past his own house. When she was arrested, she walked out of her house willingly and didn't seem to put up any kind of fight whatsoever, though the pout on her face was rather telling. During her police interview, she spoke softly and mostly looked down at the table, looking only up occasionally. She seemed very cold and unemotional. She told them that she had been aware that there had been a spike in infant mortality while she was on shift, but continued to deny she had murdered any of those babies. Three days later, she was let out on bail. It was said that she immediately sold her house and moved back in with her parents. While the investigation was ongoing, she was rearrested the next summer, adding additional infant murders to her count. But they let her out on bail again, which again seems very strange to me, honestly. Finally, in November 2020, she was arrested again, though when they arrested her, her own mother cried out demanding they arrest her instead and tried to admit to murdering those babies. Lucy's parents could not conceive of her ever harming anyone, let alone babies. Lucy was charged with eight counts of murder and ten counts of attempted murder, and this time she was denied bail. At this point, investigators had literally thousands of exhibits from the investigation, and the Crown Prosecution Service approved all of the charges against Lucy. So, 22 charges total, and Lucy denied every single one of them. Her reasoning for the very coincidental deaths all happening on her watch was actually due to staffing issues and hospital hygiene. Interesting, considering a slight staffing shortage and a floor that randomly might have needed mopped, You know, I'm pretty sure those had absolutely no hand in filling these premature babies' tummies with air or pumping them full of insulin. One baby, she had taken the oxygen mask off of and took a picture of him with her phone. She then murdered the baby, then made a handmade card printing off the picture of the baby she took to put it on the card for the grieving parents. The parents, of course, immediately noticed the oxygen tube was not on their baby's face, and when they asked Lucy about this, she was kind of irritated. She blew them off. She said that she had only removed it for a moment to clean it and thought they might have liked to see their brand new baby without the oxygen. But of course, we know that the oxygen is never to be removed from a NICU baby. That is insane. Lucy's trial began in October of 2022, six years after the last infant death. She pleaded not guilty to all of her charges, and then more information began coming out in court. So as in, in April of 2016, two hours after child M had barely survived the overdose of insulin, Lucy texted a friend, quote, work has been shit, but I have just won 135 pounds on Grand National, and then a horse emoji. And also in a group chat after the winning bet, she texted, quote, unpacking party sounds good to me with my flavored vodka, ha ha. End quote. After a vacation and about going back to work, she texted a friend, quote, probably be back in with a bang, LOL. That very next day, another newborn died. So it is important to mention at the point where she had murdered two of those triplets that Lucy was having a sort of secret affair with a married man with children. He was a doctor that she worked with. Even though she hadn't really had boyfriends up to this point or any reported, it would seem that things would also happen to these incredibly fragile babies in order to get that doctor's attention. She would text him and get sympathy from him after one would die, once Lucy was removed from the NICU, the two continued to meet outside of work for coffee and restaurant dates, shopping trips, and a visit to her home where she lived alone. There were also rumblings of them going quite the distance for trips down to London together. In social media messages, let be told the medic that he was a, quote, man of many talents. And again, on her first day back at work after a holiday in Ibiza, she wrote Boo when she learned that he wouldn't be there working with her. Later that day, child O collapsed and let be called for that doctor's help. It also came out that she had been watching 11 of her victim's family's Facebook accounts repeatedly, like Facebook stalking. It was also known that she had kept some of the paperwork for the babies that she killed and had taken them home, stuffing the records into bags and hiding them under her bed. And yet another bit of evidence revealed at trial was that Lucy had falsified patient records by changing the times some of the babies began to die, or as the British refer to it as collapse, to make sure that she could not be placed at the scene. While all of the testimony about the babies was going on, it was said that Lucy didn't really show much emotion. But when it became about her specifically, or when she heard that doctor's voice, she would get visibly upset. She would cry. She would talk about how negatively all of this has affected her and her mental health. She told conflicting and ever-changing stories while she was on the stand. Lucy was ultimately found guilty of seven counts of attempted murder of six infants. Letby was found not guilty on two counts of attempted murder. The jury was unable to reach verdicts on six further attempted murder charges. She was found guilty of murdering seven premature babies. Guys, this has made her the most prolific female serial killer in UK history she will never see the outside of prison again in her life. And as of now, they are still investigating other infant deaths to see if she is connected to them, and it was said that there will be a retrial with regards to one of the deaths. The trial lasted 10 months. Pascal Jones of the Crown Prosecution Service said that Lucy's attacks were a complete betrayal of the trust placed in her. Quote, Lucy Letby was entrusted to protect some of the most vulnerable babies. Little did those working alongside her know that there was a murderer in their midst. She did her utmost to conceal her crimes by varying the ways in which she repeatedly harmed babies in her care. She sought to deceive her colleagues and pass off the harm she caused as nothing more than a worsening of each baby's existing vulnerability. In her hands, innocuous substances like air, milk, fluids, or medications like insulin would become lethal. She perverted her learning and weaponized her craft to inflict harm, grief, and death. Time and time again, she harmed babies in an environment which should have been safe for them and their families. Parents were exposed to her morbid curiosity and her fake compassion. Too many of them returned home to empty baby rooms. Many surviving children live with permanent consequences of her assaults upon their lives." End quote. In an article written for The Mirror in December of 2023, it stated, quote, Lucy Letby has been moved to the UK's biggest female-only prison, HMP Bronzefield, where she is said to be enjoying home comforts like an en-suite bathroom, her own TV, and telephone. In her new digs, her treatment has left other inmates furious, the Sun reports that she has an ensuite shower, desk, phone, and a telly to herself. A source was reported as saying, Let me seems happy as Larry. She is in a nice cell and on her own. The facilities at Bronzefield are much nicer than most jails because it's privately run, end quote. So go ahead and be enraged by that because I kind of was. Now, let's talk about possible motives. Why did she do this? Now, I believe there are a few factors at play here, but keep in mind, I'm not officially diagnosing her because that isn't my place. This is just my opinion based on a lifetime of studying these types of cases. So here's kind of the meat and potatoes of Lucy Letby, according to me. So she is believed to be a covert narcissist. So what exactly is that? Well, let's start with Narcissistic Personality Disorder first, because that would be the overall sort of umbrella diagnosis. Narcissistic Personality Disorder is a mental health condition in which people have an unreasonably high sense of their own importance. They need and seek too much attention and want people to admire them. People with this disorder may lack the ability to understand or care about the feelings of others. But behind this mask of extreme confidence, they are not sure of their self-worth and are easily upset by the slightest criticism. This disorder affects more males than females, and it often begins in the teens or early childhood. And this really does kind of bring to mind, again, as I spoke about in part one, about how she had her bedroom decorated, about how she sort of Laid out her personal space. It did seem sort of arrested development, teenage, kind of. So, this disorder often displays as a sense of self importance, preoccupation with power, beauty, or success. They feel entitled, can only be around people who they deem are important or special, and they are interpersonally exploitative for their own gain. They are most often arrogant, lack empathy and they truly love to be admired. So as far as a covert narcissist goes, according to Psychology Today, quote, the flamboyance of overt narcissists can make them pretty easy to identify, but what about the covert narcissist in your life? The more covert form of Pathological Narcissism and Narcissistic Personality Disorder, or NPD, is not expressed the same way in every individual, but there are typical patterns that are very common. If you see many or most of these attitudes and behaviors in a person you know, you're probably dealing with someone who suffers and makes others suffer with covert narcissism. They are generally passive-aggressive they tend to criticize and judge from the sidelines. They come across as condescending and superior. They feel threatened by honesty and directness, go between idealizing and devaluing themselves and others, is dismissive of others' feelings, has a victim mentality, carefully cultivates a public persona and image that is sharply different than their private behavior. They are often cynical And sarcastic, exploit or take advantage of another's vulnerabilities, and are reactive when questioned. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Covert narcissists thrive on getting sympathy from others, faking illnesses for attention. They gaslight and they lack self-awareness. They are preoccupied with unfairness, are envious, vindictive, are inattentive when others talk, have double standards, or have an exaggerated sense of entitlement and on and on. There's so many symptoms and behavioral displays. And I feel that this is a pretty good fit for Lucy. Lucy. So I believe this is the main issue with her, and no, there is no gene for NPD, and people are not born with it. Like other mental health conditions, the environment is the major factor. Children who are encouraged to believe they are extraordinary and always deserve the best, sometimes at the expense of others, could later develop NPD, and I think that this is the case with Lucy. You see, her parents were older when they had her, or at the very least, her father. She was born with some issue that was not mentioned in my source material, but she nearly died right after birth. So it is completely understandable that they would have worried and fretted over their precious miracle baby. We learned that her mother especially would recant the tale of Lucy's brush with death as a newborn and how the brave nurses worked tirelessly to save her baby. We know that this was most of the reason Lucy herself went into nursing. As she moved from childhood into her adolescence, she wasn't allowed to have her own needs, her own sense of identity for herself, which I think created resentment and rage within her. Her parents were so needy, so completely enmeshed into her life and making her think that everything she did affected them, that she felt helpless and lived with a constant level of guilt if she did anything to even mildly upset her parents. And in the same breath, they overly coddled her and reminded her regularly how very special she was and how important she was, and that accumulated into her developing narcissistic personality disorder. Susan and John, her parents, molded their entire identities around their love for their daughter, which is great, although although it seems a little kind of pathological in my opinion, but I digress and that is to say that I am most assuredly not blaming her parents for the murders of those infants, but it twisted Lucy's sense of self in a very negative way. So while she had fantastic parents who clearly loved her unconditionally, I mean, wouldn't we all love that? She took their complete adoration and obsession with her in a negative way, so to speak, One source said that the mother could possibly have some histrionic behaviors or overtones, but I don't really want to put that on record without more information about her. And histrionic is in cluster B with like borderline narcissistic, antisocial, so on and so on. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't really want to stick my reputation on that. But I did think that it was at least worth mentioning, because there are hints of inheritability when it comes to histrionic personality disorder, so there is that. Now, as far as her relationship with her friends and other loved ones, Lucy was considered the friend that was always ready to help. Her friends actually called her Mary Poppins, because she always carried with her like a small emergency medical stash in her purse if someone scraped a knee, so on and so forth. To her friends she was a hero. The term savior complex was thrown around quite a lot as well. The savior complex can be best defined as, quote, a psychological construct which makes a person feel the need to save other people. This person has a strong tendency to seek people who desperately need help and to assist them, often sacrificing their own needs for these people, end quote. So many individuals who enter into professions involved with helping people such as mental health care, regular health care, and even those who have loved ones with addictions may have some of these personality characteristics. They are drawn to those who need, quote, saving for a variety of reasons. However, their efforts to help others may be of an extreme nature that both deplete them and possibly enable the other individual. The underlying belief of these individuals is it is the noble thing to do. They believe that they are somehow better than others because they help people all of the time without getting anything back. And the absolute adoration that Lucy received from her, you know, helpfulness fed her narcissistic supply. And another way she fed her narcissistic supply was love bombing the parents of the babies that she had just murdered convincing them that she had loved their baby as much as the parents did and their appreciation also fed her. So there is also that. Lucy was also said to be quite concerned that she would never get married or have children of her own. When she was killing these helpless infants, she was in her mid-20s, right? So plenty of time to meet a fantastic partner and have children or adopt even foster something. So this makes me think that perhaps her parents were putting a tremendous amount of pressure on her to get married and give them grandchildren. Now, I don't know if this is the case, but I feel like due to their aging that they were nagging her in the most loving way, of course, to settle down, you know, get married, have children so they could enjoy their grandchildren. Maybe they knew that something was going on with her and they wanted her to settle down to kind of distract her from what they could have sensed themselves, right? I mean, we do know that they were most upset that she lived alone in her house two hours nearly due north of them, and Lucy herself spoke about how deeply unhappy and concerned her parents were about her living away from them and especially alone. So I feel that there is some validity to this. Some other experts felt that with each baby's death, Lucy might be sort of punishing the baby's parents as a sort of morbid stand-in for her own parents subconsciously. My mind thinks of that as, you know, kind of, I survived dying as a newborn and look what has happened to me kind of thing, if that even makes sense. Did she perhaps think she was saving them from the inevitability of how her parents were to her? I don't know but I do feel there is something there. And again, I'm not blaming her parents. They were not evil or bad people. It was also said that Lucy acted pretty well irritated and inconvenienced when the babies she tried to kill actually survived. Some parents of surviving babies reported that she seemed impatient or even short with them after their baby recovered from a crash. So, and then there is that business where she continued to stalk the parents on anniversaries and whatnot to make sure the parents were still grieving and hurting the ones whose babies did not survive. There is a notable sadistic side to Lucy's behaviors as well. Remember that baby that she took the oxygen off of to take a picture of him to make a card for that family while he's literally laying there suffocating. That is the sadistic side. It's like she got off on their pain, or at least that seemed pretty apparent to me. Another angle to this is perhaps she suffered with a sense of jealousy of the parents because they had found partners and had had a baby, and that is what she desperately thought, at least convincing herself, that she wanted. Was she punishing the baby and the parents for her own perceived notion that she would never have either? It's certainly plausible, and I think pretty valid. And then we have that business with the married with children doctor. It was said she would try to find out if he was on duty with her, and then a baby would collapse, and he would be the doctor that came running. Or if he wasn't on duty and a baby collapsed, she sought out comfort and solace through the text messages with him. They texted for hours some nights, but She had killed babies before she got with him, so I'm not convinced he was at least the bigger part of her issue. Perhaps small, not the bigger picture. But I think she perhaps thought that getting his attention was an added bonus. So there is that. And then we have the business of most all of the pictures I saw of her out and about, socializing with her friends. She had an alcoholic drink in her hand. We already know that many serial killers do use alcohol to numb the senses. Jeffrey Dahmer had to be quite intoxicated to murder his victims. So was Lucy drinking to numb herself or her feelings? As far as we know, she wasn't drunk or under the influence of anything while she was working, but perhaps she used alcohol to numb her feelings about what she was doing on her off time. It is at least something to consider. And I feel that all of these factors contributed to her becoming a serial killer. She was a talented and celebrated nurse who was completely and absolutely trusted with the fragile lives of these at risk and premature infants, and she abused her power and injured them, some to the point of death. What kind of person could be capable of harming an infant? While it seems so easy for me to understand the minds of dangerous adult people who harm other adults, I have to admit there is a rather large gap within me when it comes to people harming children. I recognize this because I'm fully aware that I have zero tolerance for anyone who harms a child in any way. They are our most vulnerable, dependent little humans who can't possibly defend themselves in any way. And they're infants, okay? And then, you know, Lucy was coddled. She was spoiled. She was raised to believe that she could really kind of do no wrong. She was their miracle child. But I also get the impression that she felt the heavy burden of believing every decision that she made greatly affected her parents' happiness. So imagine the weight of that on a child and adolescent. She moved away to sort of get away from their rather suffocating behaviors towards her. She said herself that she had to move away for her own well-being, but she carried tremendous guilt with that. Or did she say that because she got the sympathetic nods from her peers and that fed her narcissism? Or maybe again, as I said, her parents were sort of keeping her super close to them because they sensed some kind of pathology. You know, we can't really throw that out either, and I doubt her parents would admit that. But it's the fact that we all want to believe that even evil people will spare children most of the time. But Lucy Letby was a nurse. Nurses are quite honestly the life's blood of the medical field. They are nearly forced to know as much as doctors with a fraction of the pay, and the hours they work Wow. They do the hardest work and risk their own health and safety for all of us. Nurses are our guardian angels when we need them. Even if we get a mean one, we still appreciate his or her care of us, right? They look us in our eyes and as they are assessing, they give us one of those unspoken promises that they will do everything in their power to keep us comfortable, healing, and healthy. And the added layer here is that she was also an infant nurse. Babies, guys. As I sit here with my hands on the keyboard, I can't really even find the words to describe how very precious and helpless babies are. And as a woman who has given birth, I can tell you that the level of trust it takes to let anyone touch our babies is absolutely wild. There is something quite primal about quickly, how quickly I would have absolutely ended anyone who even scowled at mine. And yet, we trust the nurses to take good care of our babies while we rest. And the next sort of top layer to this is the fact that she was a NICU nurse, neonatal intensive care unit nurse. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Premature babies who are utterly helpless to even breathe on their own These mothers who accepted the nine-month investment and toll it would take on their bodies, perhaps how many years of trying to conceive or continue to carry, beginning to feel that life stir within them, and then all of a sudden they are born and cannot survive without medical intervention, and the very nurse that promised these mothers and fathers with that sweet smile and those innocent bright blue eyes that she loved their baby as much as they did and would do anything and everything to keep their baby safe was the one that took that baby's life away. And for what? To punish her own parents? To punish the new parents for their happiness? That, my friends, is what I cannot get past so tell me guys what do you think of this case leave me a comment i absolutely love reading them even the trolls Uh, you can dm me on instagram at serial underscore killing or you can join us over on the uh, fan page that was created by a beloved listener it's just serial killing a podcast fan page on Facebook. I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook. um, So please feel free to hit me up. Tell me what you think about this case. And especially if you're in the UK, if I have missed anything, please feel free to either correct me or give me the additional information and I'll share it with the group. I really will. But most importantly, thank you so much guys for listening. You guys mean the world to me. I'm working on kind of a special little side thing for you guys. I'm editing it right now, so hopefully I can get that released soon. But just thank you. You know, I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you continue to choose me, and I will always be appreciative of that, guys. Thank you so, so much. Have a good day. Yeah, anybody who killed more than two or three people was a mass murderer, and whether it was all at one place or over an extended period of time. And then uh, in the early 80s, they came up with this differentiation called serial killing.